welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. I'm really excited because for the first time in my life, we are embarking on a new sermon series about money and finances and giving and tithes and offerings and investing and inheritance. And I've never done this before, ever. Um, the closest I've got is just the, the, the classic um, offering messages before the sermon or talking about the expansion offering that we do every now and then, but I've never done a whole series. So um, I'm excited, plus, as I shared in the earlier service, a little bit scared because as soon as you start talking about money, people do get upset. Um, but if, if, Jesus, if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us, and we're called to, to walk in Jesus' footsteps. And as a teacher-preacher, man, he talked about money a lot. Eleven of the 39 parables uh, he spoke about included money, had themes about generosity and giving. One out of every seven verses of Jesus' words talked about money. And uh, so he, he, he shared a lot about money. And I think the reason why is because money out of everything in, in our world uh, shows or reflects the accuracy of our hearts and uh, who has our hearts. Um, anything else, I, I think, you know, you can sort of almost explain away and sort of can feel a little bit comfortable about, yeah, I need to do a little bit more for God, but I'm pretty happy as where I'm at. But with Money, it just cuts through everything. I do think that money is pretty much the one thing that is an accurate litmus test or an indicator as to the state of our hearts and who really is the Lord of our lives. And I think that's why Jesus just really talked about that a lot because it's not, when we talk about money, it's not a law thing. It's not even a principle thing, although principles are really, really uh, good and beneficial. Um, it's not really a, even about a, a generosity thing or giving to get or sowing and reaping. I think the fundamental understanding that we need to have uh, from the get-go of this is it's a heart attitude. Um, if we do really truly have um, a revelation in our hearts about the, the goodness of God um, and the truth of His Word, and if we have a close, intimate relationship with Him, we, we will wanna give generously. Um, our wallets will reflect the Lordship of Jesus in our lives. And uh, so as we get going, just want to share the motivations of this series. Uh, firstly, to educate us into the incredible joy of storing treasures in heaven that we can use our finances right now uh, to, to see uh, an investment into the kingdom of God and, and to use our finances for things of eternal value, which is so amazing. I'm going to be sharing about that more this morning. Secondly, to release people into more financial freedom so that we can have more than enough, that we can truly enjoy life and so that we can bless others as well. So financial freedom is a big part of it. Uh, and thirdly, and, and before I say thirdly, prosperity is not a dirty word. I know that there has been some uh, pastors and leaders in ministries that have gone overboard with this um, and, and the, the prosperity teaching has gone a little bit off balance, but Jesus does want us to prosper in every part of our lives. He really does. It's, it's in the Word of God. And thirdly, and I love this, to see more finances come into Renew Church. 
And uh, I'm not going to apologise for that because we absolutely need more finances. Every single pastor I've talked to, and I know this because I have talked with them, um, it's never a lack of vision that, that sort of hamstrings what we want to do for God. Uh, every genuine pastor and leader, a ministry leader, they have got heaps of vision. The one thing that is always uh, the, the thing that stops vision from being fulfilled is always finance. It always is within the body of Christ. It's sad that that's a fact, but it's true. We meet together as um, key leaders in the church once a month and we talk about finances and um, they never ever say to us as a key leadership team, Simon, you need more vision. Uh, because we've got a truckload of cash uh, that people have, have given and they want to see things done, but you know you need more vision. That's never happened and it never will happen because we have got so much vision. We want to see God do incredible things through Renew Church and hopefully you do too. Uh, so that's never the problem. The problem is we want to do so many amazing things for God, not just here, but for the community and for global globally as well. But it's always a lack of finance. You know, the early church never had a lack of finance. Uh, the way they accumulated finance was the, the, the generous giving of people that called themselves followers of Jesus. And they saw their churches uh, grow exponentially. And, and I'm believing that's going to be happening here. So just a couple of stats. I better turn my timer on, else I'll be talking until like three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, Giving in churches has decreased by 50% since 1990. And that's not a statistic about less people giving to church. It is a statistic about people are just giving less. So 50% less since 1990, which means if you follow that trend, and the trend is still dropping, by the way, by 2050, we're probably not going to have a lot of money left. People are just not going to be giving to church anymore. The average Christian gives 2.5% of their income to church. Every generation of churchgoers are significantly giving less than the generation before it. And I want to say to the older um, people, older, maybe my age up, <laughs> I thank you so much for being generous givers. Uh, I know that you've gone through a lot of change in the last few years with the way uh, the auditorium looks and the music styles and how we do our services. But I just wanna say throughout that, thank you so much for being faithful givers. Um, thank you for the younger generations, my age down. I wanna say, wouldn't it be amazing if like Paul said to Timothy, um, give a demonstration, show by your example in everything in your life. Um, let's, wouldn't it be amazing if the younger generations became the most generous generations, that we flipped that, uh, that trend around? Because I think younger people have a lot more finance than we think. Um, on average, and I never said this in the first, you get the second service, which is Simon Drake Uncensored, by the way, that uh, the average young person in the United States today subscribes to 17 digital subscriptions, 17. Um, and that's in the United States, it's a little bit different here, but uh, with that, I can simply say, young people still have money. So, moving right along. And I wanna say too, because a lot of people think, well, Simon, you know, the church always talks about money. Like I said, this is the first time I've ever uh, spent a message on it. I prefer not to, but I need to uh, preach the full gospel um, of, of the Bible and the money is a big part of it. Um, and people think, well, Simon, your, your pay's just gonna go up uh, because you're supported by the church which is a little bit of conflict of interest really, but to, do, to say uh, that there, we, we've got a, a team of volunteers in the church and they form a, a, a select 
um, salary review committee. Um, and, and that's based on a whole, a whole lot of other things, what, what other churches uh, give their pastoral staff based on the size and stuff. So that's, that's very, very, uh, there is a lot of credibility and accountability with that. Um, and I have nothing to do with it. Um, so my pay is not gonna go up or down based on this message series. Uh, but hopefully what we can do as a church uh, will go up. So that, I'm really excited about that. So are you excited as we dive into this incredible series? I've been praying that this is going to be the most amazing series in the last few years that we've done at Renew Church. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so Matthew 6 verse 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures in, on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. This will be the key text in the next couple of weeks when I preach about this. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Money is not the issue here. It's who has the Lordship of our lives, uh, which is the issue. Um, have you guys heard about Bitcoin? It's like cryptocurrency and it's hard to get your mind around that there is something that's crypt, uh, currency now that's sort of all online and we can't hold it. But there is a thing called Bitcoin. It started back in 2009. There was a guy called Christopher Cook and he was wanting to invest in stocks and he just read a little bit about this what cryptocurrency thing. So he decided to, to just put some of his spare cash and invest into it. He spent $27 and $27 bought him 5,000 Bitcoins. $27 back in 2009, 5,000 Bitcoins. And he sort of pretty much forgot about it until about four years later. And then everyone's talking about Bitcoin and he remembers, wait a second, I put some uh, funds into that $27. He realised that he was pretty much a millionaire four years later. I don't know what's happened to him or if he kept his stocks or his, his, that into um, Bitcoin, but one Bitcoin today, in, oh, a couple of days ago, costs or is worth 63,000 New Zealand dollars. One Bitcoin. If you were to invest $27 back in 2009 and you had 5,000 Bitcoins today in 2021, you would be worth $350 million New Zealand. Isn't that crazy? If only we could go back in time. <laughs> what would we do if we, could, we knew without any shadow of a doubt that 2021, um, $27 worth invested would be worth $350 million. What would we do? I, could, I know what we'd do. We'd be rushing out today. We'd be selling everything we have. We'd be mortgaging our house. We'd be selling all of our stuff. We'd be selling our kids. No, we wouldn't be selling our kids, but we'd pretty much be selling everything we could if we knew that our investment was, if that was gonna happen. We would. If you knew that that would be the increase you know, we have the opportunity to invest into something a billion, trillion times more valuable than Bitcoin. You know what it is? Essential oils. <laughs> no, just, just, just kidding. <laughs> the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven that is 
never ending um, and we can be storing and investing into the eternal kingdom now. And it's not just gonna be $350 million because we know everything we have on this world one day will, will pass away. But into the, into the future, into the forever, into the eternity, what we do now, we can invest into the kingdom of God and know that it's gonna have an effect in the kingdom to come. Isn't that exciting? If we grab a hold of that and understand that, it's gonna change the way we live. We will be generous with joy. We'll be giving into the, into the church with joy. We'll be overjoyed. Because I bet you what, back in 2009, if you really knew uh, every dollar that you sacrificed to, to buy Bitcoin, you would be secretly so joy, overjoyed because you knew what was gonna happen in 2021. So just a couple of parables highlighting this. First of all, Luke 12. Verse 15, speaking to the people, Jesus continued, be alert and guard your heart from greed and from always wishing for what you don't have. For your life can never be measured by the amount of things you possess. Jesus then gave them this illustration. A wealthy landowner had a farm that produced bumper crops. Every year the harvest was so great it filled his barns to overflowing. He thought, what should I do now that every barn is full and I have nowhere else to store more? What I know what I'll do. I'll tear down the barns and build one massive barn to hold all my grain and goods. Then I can just sit back, surrounded with comfort and ease. I'll enjoy life with no worries at all. God said to him, what a fool you are to trust in your riches and not in me. This very night, the messengers, messengers of death will demand you take, to, to take your life. Then who will get all the wealth you have stored up for yourself? The same thing will happen to all those who fill up their lives with everything but God. In the ESV version, it's a little bit more accurate. It says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. It's literal. It really is. Uh, so the moral of that is to live for possessions and to be ignorant of the kingdom is complete foolishness. Let's have a look at another one of, of Jesus' parables, which is Luke 16. And, and this is a tough parable to understand, uh, but we're just going to go for it this morning anyway. Jesus taught His disciples using this story. Once a very rich man hired a manager to run his business and oversee all his wealth, but soon a rumour spread that the manager was wasting his master's money. So the master called him in and said, is it true that you are mismanaging my estate? You need to provide me with a complete audit of everything you oversee for me, I've decided to dismiss you, fire you. The manager thought, now what am I gonna do? I'm finished here, I can't hide what I've done and I'm too proud to beg. I have an idea that will secure my future. It will win me favour and secure friends who can take care of me and help me when I get fired. So the dishonest manager hatched his scheme. He went to everyone who owed his father, sorry, his master money, one by one, and asked them, how much do you owe my master? One debtor owed $20,000. So he said to him, let me see your bill. Pay me now, and we'll settle for 20% less. The clever manager scratched out the original amount owed and reduced it by 20%. He does it again to someone, but this time it's 50%. Verse Eight, even though his master was defrauded when he found out about the shrewd way his manager had feathered his own nest, he congratulated the clever scoundrel for what he had done to provide for his future. Jesus continues. So now Jesus gives the explanation. Remember this, the sons of darkness interact more wisely than the sons of light. Use the wealth of this world 
to demonstrate your friendship with God by winning friends and blessing others. Then when it runs out, your generosity will provide you with an eternal reward. Our generosity will provide us an eternal reward. Uh, eternal rewards are right throughout Jesus' teaching. So with that, um, there is an end coming. There is a time, whether you realise it or not, um, Jesus is coming back. There's going to be a time when we cannot no longer uh, bless others and invest into the kingdom of God in this world. So what is the, the moral of this parable? I believe the time of earthly riches will come to an end. Recognize the moment for what it is. Get busy investing into the kingdom now while we can. Use your finances now to gain an eternal reward. So right throughout Jesus' teaching, and it's not just Jesus' teaching, it's actually right throughout the Bible, being generous, giving into the things of God, sowing into the storehouse, the principle of, of tithes and offerings and, and generosity and giving to those who, who can't afford it and, and blessing others. It's right throughout the Bible. And in this case, storing up treasures in heaven, it is real. It's literal. Jesus is not lying. He's telling us the truth. He's just not playing around with us and saying, oh, just joking, Simon. No, this is, this is the real deal. And He's encouraging us right throughout the Gospels to store up treasures in heaven, that there will be rewards in heaven based on how we are living now, I think generally as believers in 2021, perhaps we, we don't think about that enough. So why isn't this more of a big deal if we understand the truth of the Word of God that, that Jesus is really wanting us to do this? Why aren't we more generous? Why aren't we jo more joyful givers? How could we miss such an incredible investment opportunity that's a billion times better than Bitcoin? There are a few reasons why. First of all, we just don't know. We just don't know. I remember growing up, my mum and dad were, were very, very good and taught me about tithing and offering right from a very uh, early age. And, and the church I went to, it was, it was a big deal, not in a law way, but just as a way of this is what we do. Uh, if Jesus is the Lord of our lives, He's the Lord of our wallets as well. So um, there was a lot of teaching about it back in those days. And with new Christian classes, um, and I think maybe in the last 20 or 30 years, we must have dropped the ball with this a little bit as, 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 as key leaders of ministry because as the statistics show, um, giving in churches is, is just plummeting, it really is. But the good news is, guys, you know now because we're doing a message series about it, uh, so we just don't have to worry about the, the first point. Secondly, the devil deceives us and he can deceive us as, as believers. I really do think, again, and this is a bit of an offside, that in this day and age, we really need to understand what discernment is on a whole new level. Um, besides the whole giving thing, just in the, in the world we live, but Satan definitely can deceive us. Uh, we look at Judas, who was a disciple of Christ, called by Jesus. Jesus doesn't make mistakes, but even just after he had communion, we've just had communion this morning, it said that Satan entered into Judah's heart. Judas had a weakness there and he was deceived. We can be deceived. And I think this is a big area because some people get just so angry when we start talking about being generous to God. 
and they just don't understand. It's not a law, it's not even really a principle, it's a heart attitude. If we really do understand that Jesus wants us to, to, it's not just about now, it's about in the forever and in the eternity and that we're gonna have stuff to do there. And we can store up true wealth there right now. And, and Jesus is saying, you've got to do this, guys. Thirdly, we sort of know, but we don't have the correct Bible understanding. We don't have a good theology about this. We don't grasp the gravity of the situation because we're a little bit wishy-washy in our belief. And I think that's probably a reason why a lot more of us aren't more understanding and generous and passionate about sowing and storing treasures in heaven. I think when we think about heaven, what do we really think about? What is heaven going to be like? Now, do we have a Hollywood understanding of, of heaven, which is like everyone who's good goes there? Um, and we know that's not true based on the Bible. Or if you have a bit of a, a weird sort of understanding, you think maybe, maybe you know, we turn into naked babies and we have little arrows and we fly around with little baby wings and we like rest on clouds and shoot each other with them. And we, That's definitely not a biblical version of heaven, but a lot of people sort of believe that. Um, a lot of our understanding in the West is based on Greek thinking, which is perhaps a little bit closer to what we think about heaven. Um, the Greek name for heaven is called Elysium, and it's where heroes of the world go forever, where they just sit back and they relax and enjoy and be comfortable forever and ever and ever and ever. And I think a lot of us perhaps have a more Greek understanding of heaven than what the Bible says. What does the Bible say about heaven? Isaiah 65, 7, See, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. A new heaven. We are going to live in a new heaven. Sorry, a new earth and a new heaven. That's incredible. 2 Peter 3, 13. But keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. We're gonna be living in a new earth, Revelation 21.1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. There's gonna be new heavens and a new earth just like Jesus lives now in a resurrected body. We're gonna have a resurrected body and there is stuff for us to do. There really is. Um, we're just not going to be worshipping God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Uh, God's going to have stuff for us to do in the ages to come. This time of humanity now, it's called an age. And the Bible says in Ephesians 6, you can look up, um, there are going to be ages to come, which is like, what, what is that going to look like? Which is really exciting. Jesus came to save us, but He's just not going to say, right, saved you um, when this age ends and you guys are all in heaven. That's it. I'm just going to, you guys can just like do nothing for the rest of eternity. The, the human project is not going to stop in the next age. He's got stuff for us to do. We are going to rule and reign over cities and over nations in, in the new earth. And that is completely dependent upon how we are living our life right now. In the 85, 95 years plus or whatever it is that we are gonna live, how we are gonna live in the next life is totally dependent upon the decisions that we make now. And obviously the, the best decision is giving our lives to Jesus, but that's the very beginning. Are we truly storing treasures in heaven? We are stewards now. 
of everything God has given us. We are responsible for what we have been given in this lifetime. We will receive rewards in heaven based on what we do here on earth. Jesus isn't lying. We can lay up true wealth there by investing in God's kingdom now. You might say, well, Simon, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't care about that. I just want to worship at Jesus' feet forever and ever and ever. Um, and that's awesome. But Jesus is really urging us to store up treasures in heaven. He's saying, do this. You just have a Bible search on rewards in heaven. It's, 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 there is a lot about the decisions that we make now. We are gonna be rewarded in heaven. That should excite us. The Bible does not, not lie. Jesus is not lying. He's not, um, he's not just joking. This is real. And if we understand that, it's gonna change the way we live. So um, why isn't this more of a big deal? We just don't know. The devil deceives us. We sort of know, but we don't have a true biblical understanding of heaven. Um, the cares and concerns of this life, worldliness. So I don't believe that worldliness is wearing ripped jeans or, or wearing makeup. Um, if you're a, a woman, obviously, or driving a nice car or having a nice house or, or watching Lord of the Rings or Indiana Jones, I don't think those things are actually worldly. And some people say, well, you know, that person's worldly because he's doing this. I think worldly is actually a lot deeper than that or what we understand worldliness is. Worldliness is being more concerned with worldly affairs while neglecting the concerns of the kingdom of God. Worldliness is, is being more concerned with worldly affairs while neglecting the concerns of the kingdom of God, which means we're more concerned about getting a house than we are about, about giving into the local church. We're more concerned about ha having a great retirement plan than we are about seeing God doing incredible things in this one shot of life that we have. That's, that's pretty tough to understand, but when you think about it, if we give God our whole lives, then we should be giving Him our wallets as well and we should be giving Him our futures as well. Again, it's not that we don't have a nice car and we don't uh, invest in the future and we don't leave an inheritance for our children's children because that's a big part of it and we're instructed to do that. And I'll be talking more about that in future messages. But if we are doing only that while neglecting the kingdom of God, then something's a little bit off there, if you can hear my heart with that. So in conclusion, Matthew 6, 19 to 21 again, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where we put our finances, there our heart will be. If we put our finances into the kingdom of God, our hearts are gonna be towards the things of God. I'll be sharing a little bit about that in a couple of weeks. So just as a recap, Jesus is encouraged, encouraging us to see the kingdom now, to see what really is important in life. He's telling us it is a joyful thing to invest in the kingdom of God. Jesus wants us to return to joy. So Christopher Cook, if he, any of us, if we went back to 2009 and we knew that uh, 
every dollar we put into, every Bitcoin we had would be worth $63,000 like 10 years later. We would be overjoyed by giving into Bitcoin, buying Bitcoin, wouldn't we? We'd be so overjoyed. We would. Uh, I would be if I knew every dollar, 27 New Zealand dollars would equal $350 million. Man, I'd be so overjoyed giving into Bitcoin. You know, we should be so overjoyed when we are... We're sowing into the kingdom of God in heaven. We should be so overjoyed when, when we're sharing with someone and being generous with someone. We should be so overjoyed when we're serving at church because everything we do here hopefully is of, of eternal value. We should be overjoyed when we're in worship and reading our Word and getting involved in things of eternal value. We should be overjoyed. Not like, oh, it's Sunday again. Oh man, I better register. I haven't registered for a few weeks. Um, Oh, what? I'm serving it this month, this, this week again. Man, that month's gone quickly. Man, it's a bummer. I just wanted to enjoy church. Are, you, are we kidding? When you think about giving into an eternal kingdom with eternal rewards, we should, that joy should return to our lives. You know, joy needs to return to the church. The joy of service, the joy of coming to services, even in the midst of a worldwide pandemic, joy needs to return to a new church really does. You know, we're getting too distracted with things that aren't of eternal value. Let's be people that understand joy and are overjoyed because we do believe in heaven. We do believe in storing up treasures in heaven. We know it is real. I was watching a, a video on YouTube last night about a, a man who, he died for 20 minutes. In the first service, I said 20 years. <laughs> death for 20, 20 years. No, he was clinically dead for, for 20 minutes and he came back to life. He was a nominal Christian. He had given his life to Jesus. Um, and it was the incredible story of, of him and he was pretty much in paradise, but he was told, time's not, it's not your time. And, and he, 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 was, he was revived and it changed his life. For one, he said, yeah, I was saved, but I was living for myself. And he started to live for others. He knows beyond any shadow of a doubt that heaven is real and he, he is living for heaven and he is not afraid of death. Do we really truly believe that heaven is real? Because it will change our life if, if we do. And I just want to finish with this. Um, in 1997, and, and I remember the day well when Princess Diana died. And, um, you know, when, when things like that happen, you usually remember where you were when you heard it. Um, and she was amazing, obviously. But in the same week, um, Mother Teresa died, and everyone sort of forgot about her. And Mother Teresa, um, looking after the unlovable and the, and the lepers, and I think it was Calcutta, I don't know how many people she influenced, maybe tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. She was sainted in the Catholic Church, so she is a bit of a big deal. But she was pretty much forgotten while the world lamented Princess Diana now. Um, it was sad what happened to Princess Diana. We can't be a Princess Diana. You know, most of us haven't been born into royalty. Most of us are nowhere near as wealthy as her or, or have the looks and the popularity and the platform. Now, we don't even know where Princess Diana is. If, if she had a faith or if she gave her life to Jesus, we just don't know. But I know what, f without any doubt, that Mother Teresa's probably got way more treasures in heaven than Princess Diana. Um, because of how she lived her life and what she sacrificed her life for. We, we can't be a Princess Diana, but every single one of us can be a Mother Teresa. Every single one of us can be someone who gives our lives 
and gives our finances and gives our time into the things of eternal value, people. The things that God is calling us to do in this life. Yes, it means church. It's, I believe it's the, it's the vehicle to see the kingdom of, of God come to earth, but it's, it's, it's bigger than this. It's ministries, it's, it's the world. Every single one of us have that opportunity now. We've got 27 bucks we can give into the kingdom of God. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.